please join me for the call to worship. We gather today seeking the peace Christ gives. We gather in spite of many conflicts, near doubt within ourselves. We gather longing for the breath of God's spirit to give us courage and renewal. Come, Christ Jesus, be our guest and profess us through the power of the spirit. Give us the courage to live as you
Good morning and welcome to worship here on this uh, Sunday morning that's a bit gray and overcast. Supposedly it's going to uh, be a little bit better weather the later in the day today, but you've come and gathered here to worship the one true and living God. And as we do, we come with hearts that are warmed by the presence of each other, by the presence of Christ that is in this place. So to all who are here, we say welcome to you. Those who are our guests today, especially, we want to welcome you and give you a Southside welcome. And those who may be among us that are members who have been away for a while, we're glad that you're able to be back with us as well. We do have a few guests, so we want to make sure that we introduce ourselves to everyone, and we will do that momentarily. But before that, if you would fill out the little uh, registration tablet you'll see at the end of each pew and leave any information there that might help us uh, if you've had a dress change or anything of that nature. So, <clears throat> Southside Baptist Church is here in the heart of Five Point South. Our mission of being Christ's presence here by building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond, is something that we hold to uh, fastly. We seek to, to do all we can to be the presence of Christ in that way. So today, if you've gathered here and you've not been accustomed to worshiping here, I do hope that you have been warmly received this day. If we could take just a moment and uh, greet each other with, uh, by passing the peace of Christ, may we do so at uh, this time, and then we will gather again for our inv invocation. As we re return and, and refocus, we, uh, we think in terms today of, of justice, of right, of peace, and may we come together as we invoke the name of the Lord to begin. Yes, may we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you as not so much judge, but as knower and provider of the right. We thank you for allowing us to come together in this place and for encouraging us as we listen to your word, as we read it, as we hear it, as we sing it, as we ponder it. May our hearts always stand for your right, for your justice. May we not assume that we in and of ourselves are right, but may we know that we can look to you and to your word, to your example, for those things that we must do in 
our lives in this day and this time. We thank you for bringing us together as a, as a body of believers, for those who are visiting us, but also for those of us who have been here so regularly on so long a basis. And we ask that we may spend this time pondering how we may take this word as good and right out to a world that is in desperate need of it. We pray this in the name of, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we stand as we sing together, 688, those very words. First reading this morning is from the prophet Amos in the fifth chapter and reading verses 18 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light. As if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear. 
or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look down upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. second reading today is found in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. I'll be reading from chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. If you would, please stand as it's read, and then we will follow with the Gloria Patri. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Jack, move over just a little bit. I'm going to sit on this side of you today so I can talk to you a little bit. Since you're the only person that's here to come down front, we could have asked all those that are think they're still children to come, and we would have had a whole crowd down here, wouldn't we? Well, I want to talk to you for just a minute about something that lasts a long, long time. You know, probably for you, it seems like it is forever until summertime. 
It takes a long, feels like it's a long time till then. Maybe. Or when I was growing up, it always, it seemed like Christmas took forever to get back around. It seemed like it takes forever for that to happen. Well, really, it's not very long. But I want to show you something here and ask if you know what it says on this. Can you read that? Okay. What does it say? You may have to talk into this microphone. So I don't know what it Forever. It says forever. Now, this is a U.S. postage stamp that says forever on it. Now, it says forever. I'm not sure that it will be forever. But that's what it says. Now, that hasn't always been the case. But forever, when it says that, that tells us that we can use this as long as we're alive and supposedly even as long as this exists and America's not here. Forever. Songs say to us that that's a long, long time. Do you think so? Forever? Forever? Does it seem like a long time? It doesn't? Ask those folks out there. Do they think it's a long time? It's a long time, isn't it? Forever is a long, long time. Well, the point of that is that, that Jesus says to us that if we believe in him, that he will be with us forever. It also tells us that God's love is forever. It never ends. And it's a kind of forever that does last. Last forever and ever and ever. As long as you can think, it's still beyond an end. So when we think about this being forever, something that will pass away, that God's love, God's love for you and God's love for me and all these folks gathered here, it is what? Forever, forever. Let's thank God that we can trust in one who says he will be with us forever, he will love us forever, and he will prepare, prepare a place for us forever. Okay? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come to you. We thank you that you do love us infinitely, unconditionally, and forever. Thank you for Jack. May he see in those around him a faith that also communicates to him that your love and mercy is forever. Amen. Amen. Let's take a break. Be good. join me in prayer this morning. Shall we pray? God of grace, we have come together to worship you, to declare your greatness and your goodness, to feel the wonder of your presence and to listen to what you have to say, to resolve afresh to live as your people with the help of your Holy Spirit. Loving God, we are here not because we are good and not because our lives are worthy of your mercy. We are here because we are sinners who mess up, human beings who let you down, let others down and let ourselves down. But we are here also because we have heard there is good news of the life, death and resurrection of our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We marvel this morning that we are your adopted sons and daughters, secure in your family. Eternal Father, we desire that your name may be hallowed within our own lives, our community of faith here at Southside, 
and the surrounding culture and country in which we live. We pray this morning for those who lead in local and national places of authority for wisdom, for mercy, and for justice. May they place proper boundaries around what is bad and exercise integrity in decisions taken for the benefit of all. We especially remember those who are disadvantaged and often voiceless. Oh, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for those who serve the life of our communities in ordinary ways, that each one of us may discover our, your purpose in the ordinary affairs of life. We pray this morning for our neighbors, our friends, our families, and even for our enemies. We remember especially those who hunger and often lack daily essentials for living. We pray for all those we know who need your healing touch and help in coping with physical and emotional needs. We pray especially this morning for those who are feeling bereaved and remembering those whom they have lost. We seek to live our lives in faith, in love, and in hope. Faith in your promises, love towards our neighbors, and hope that one day, indeed, your kingdom will come and your will be done, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And therefore, we pray as our Savior, the Lord Jesus, taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Earlier on this morning, somebody introduced me as the very reverend. I've been known as Sir, Professor, Doctor, Ken, even Kenny. But when my mother called me Kenneth, I knew I was in trouble. It wasn't that she was just using my full name, but it was the way in which she said it, the emphasis that she put in particular parts of that word. Kenneth, I knew that I had done something and I had to be accountable. Sometimes in the prophets of the Old Testament, you hear a word of affection, of love, of God saying, fear not, I'm with you, or don't be upset. I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but plans to bless you, give you hope, and a future. But then there are those other occasions when the prophets become more harsh and tell the people exactly as it is. And the prophecy of Amos is one of these prophecies. Amos says, justice may flow down like rivers and righteousness like never failing streams. There's a parallel passage that's very similar to that from the prophecy of Micah. He has told you what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. These passages shine through with their simple presentation of what God is longing for. We can recite them often by heart. They're etched into the hearts of many people. But there's always a danger of familiarity. The familiar can be overlooked or neglected. The God of inclusive grace that we were looking at last Sunday morning through the prophet Hosea doesn't cease to be God when he begins to rebuke. God has a heart. God cares. God cares how his people live. God's involved with every aspect of human life. He cares particularly, and he wants justice for the small, the weak, the vulnerable, widows and orphans, the stranger, the prisoner. God is concerned about the things that we often brush off as unimportant, unworthy, secondary to the real concerns of life. But God indicates in this particular passage that he is concerned not only how we worship and how we conduct ourselves in worship, but whether that worship is having an effect in the way in which we live in the other days of the week. So Amos begins to turn the tables on the people of Israel. He's a bit like James, real religion. Real religion is to care for widows and orphans in their distress. And this chapter can take us by surprise, can shock us. When God says words like, I hate, do you know that God hates? I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. Is it just an off day? Or is there something else happening? Amos is not saying to Israel, give up celebrating Passover. Forget the Feast of Tabernacles. Forget the day of Sabbath. Festival of Passover was something that commemorated God's deliverance to Israel from bondage in Egypt. It celebrated the deliverance of God from oppression. The annual retelling of the story told new generations of the love of God towards Israel. And of course, it is for us as Christians, a, a prefiguring of that great exodus that we celebrate the, this morning at communion, 
of how God through Jesus Christ has delivered us from the oppression of sin and death and hell. And Jesus himself celebrated all these festivals, but, but Israel is re being reminded that you're not meant to place your confidence just in the celebration, the remembrance, the ritual, going through the modes of action. Rather, if we miss the mechanic, if we place all our emphasis on the mechanics and we miss living out our life in obedience to God, we've missed the whole point of worship. You see, Israel were focusing on the offerings, small and large, doing everything right, sacrificial worship, but to the exclusion of justice and of righteousness. And God's concern here is to point out that the sacrifices are important, but let justice flow and righteousness like rivers and never failing streams. And Amos doesn't mince his words in this passage. It doesn't really matter what translation you use, you're face to face with God having an argument with people. Amos brings the word of the Lord and he says, I take no delight, literally the Hebrew words, I won't smell them. Strange. <laughs> the idea is that God is looking down and it's an idiomatic expression. To smell is to smell something that is distasteful, not something that is pleasing to his, uh, to his nose. He shuts his eyes. He plugs his ears. And the issue is not idolatry. They're not, doing, they're not worshiping false gods here, but rather a disconnect between belief and behavior. The people are doing all the right things in worship, but their daily lives are not characterized by justice and righteousness. The context of this prophecy is the 8th century before the coming of Christ. The nations of northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah are being threatened by the Assyrian Empire. Just half a century before, things have been going very well. They've had a good king. The northern kingdom had Jeroboam II as the king who occupied the throne in Samaria for a long period of time. And during his reign, economy, politics were on the up. And then in the second half of the century, things began to go bad, badly for them. And things began to happen. And although the ritual was still going on, the relationship with God had moved away. And so decline and recession were the order of the day political decline, economic decline, and religious decline. And this is the context of, of, Hosea, of Amos's prophetic ministry. The strange thing about Amos is that he wasn't really from the priestly or prophetic vocational caste. He was a shepherd. I am no prophet, nor a prophet's son, he says. I'm a herdsman, a dresser of sycamore trees, and the Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Amos is not even from the northern kingdom. He comes from the southern kingdom. Kind of hillbilly, kind of redneck, an outsider. A bit like a Scottish person telling you how to live your life in the south. Amos' invective is, is caustic. A sharp tirade against the hollow worshipping practices. So, Amos says, we may get the liturgical colors right, or we may get them wrong. We may have the liturgy all in order, the songs in the right key, sitting in our own pews with great decorum, our homilies are short and to the point, and lift our hearts and our spirits. But if the preacher is not practicing justice the rest of the week, 
Is he concerned about the poor and the disadvantaged? Then it's all pointless. God resists religious expressions that separate orthodoxy from orthopraxy, right belief from right living. And the prophets are consistent here. Joel says, rend your hearts, not your garments. These prophetic calls no way diminish theology and liturgy, but they remind us that that's not enough. One of my favorite theologians, Carol Barth, um, came in against the theologians at this point in one of his sayings, and he says, God says, I hate your manuscripts, I hate your theological journals, I hate your books, I hate your lectures. Wherever we find ourselves, God says, if you're not practicing what you preach, then there's something that is wrong. And our attitudes are not meant to be mundane, peripheral, but extravagant. Righteousness should flow down like rivers, never failing streams. We are to flood our lives and our communities with acts of justice and righteousness, like a stream that never stops flowing. So here comes God, and He says, and this probably offends us in some way, but God doesn't seem to be too worried about that. The singing of hymns, the finest of pipe organ music, and even the best choirs are not enough for God. They're important, but God wants right action, compassion, concern, considering the needs of others, especially those in the margins of society. Authentic religion, the prophets always insisted, is not so much about holiness and purity, that's important, but holiness and purity that says that living the life of faith is about keeping ourselves away from doing bad, taboo things, must become about being good, must about be holding to the good. The prophetic tradition is about living out our life in practical ways and life-changing attitudes and actions. To put it in the words of the New Testament, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Oh, and the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind in you, which is in Christ Jesus. And James, whom I've already quoted this morning, the religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The problem is that it's not unclear. It's, it's too clear. It's, it's too straightforward. We all know what he's getting at. We may not like it, but this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a message that's important at all times doesn't matter where we live or when we live. God says we should not discriminate against others. We should, in our faith, transcend the boundaries, whatever they may be. Religion is always moved by compassion, regards the other, whomever she or he is, as created in the image and likeness of God, deserving of love and care and compassion, acceptance and dignity black and white, male, female, rich, poor, Muslim, Jew, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. Goodness is open to others. If it isn't, then the gospel is a sham. God intends to transform our lives, 
individually, our attitudes, our actions. He longs to see within the community of faith the same thing and the culture and the world in which we live in. Kindness, justice, humility. To be responsible for actions. It's about continuing to clothe people through our closed closet. It's about providing food through the food bank. It's about supporting family promise. It's about being concerned with housing for those who suffer from AIDS. It's about being concerned for health care. It's about issues of poverty, of helping people through the dark times, the bad times, and enabling them to make it in the future. It's the call of God to justice. It's been happening here long before I got here. It's happening now, and it will happen long after we're all gone. God's work doesn't stop. But we only do it if we ourselves have been transformed by the goodness of the grace and the mercy of God. The God of Hosea, who last week says, how can I give you up? How can I hand you over, O Israel? Even when God's mad, God never gives up. God's love endures. And he points out these things through the prophet Amos because he loves his people. He loves his people. He says, Israel same way in which my mother used to say, Kenneth, I love you, but you need to get things right in your life. We know that God is interested and committed to this because God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world, and he lived. He lived a life of righteousness and justice. It flowed from him. He lived a life of love and compassion for sinners. He even went to the cross and died for each and every one of us, that our sins might be forgiven, that our lives might be changed. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his one and only son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He lived and died for us, says Paul, that those who live, live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and rose again. And so we come to this table. None of us feel worthy to come, but we come not because we are worthy, but because of the need we have of the grace and the mercy and the love of God. We come having heard the word of the Lord speak into our hearts this morning, not to condemn us, but to, to bring us closer to himself, that our lives might be renewed by his grace and mercy and love, that as we take the waiver representing the body of Christ, as we take the wine representing the blood of Christ, we say thank you. And in that moment of thankfulness and remembrance, we offer our lives once more into the presence of God. This table is not the Southside Baptist Church table, it's the table of the Lord. All are welcome to come. The way we serve, if you're a visitor, is slightly different. We will come and Dr. Kelly and myself will be at the front with the chalice and with the plate of waver, and you come and receive the waver and dip it in the, the wine and then return to your pew. We will serve the, church, the, the choir first, but we invite you to come and to celebrate God's grace in communion.
him a promise of commitment is number 689, let justice flow like streams. Dr. Kelly will be at the front should you want to take this opportunity of expressing your faith uh, publicly. 689, let us stand to sing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are yours and we come before you with thanksgiving. Help us to know you and to trust you as we daily live and as we walk with you and as we give to you. Bless the gifts to your service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
loving Lord, we bring these tithes and offerings into your house. We pray, O oh Lord, that they might be used to bring comfort to those who are hurting. They might be used to bring people to understand your love, mercy, and grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Could we be seated for just a moment, please? things that I want to make you aware of. One is we want to remind all of those who are guests that we're delighted that you're here and all the members that are here too, we're delighted you're here. But we, we do have a brief time of uh, fellowship there, re uh, reception like in the narthex there, of some lemonade and cookies to get to know you a little bit better and um, it's a good time to catch up on the week's activities too. Also uh, this week uh, we'll have another session in Philippians study that Dr. Roxborough is presenting on Wednesday evening. That's Wednesday at our fellowship meal and study. It five, begins at 5.30 and the study is around 6 o'clock. And then Thursday evening we have a contemplative, contemplative service in Memorial Chapel. I did want to say too that on this day, as you see these beautiful flowers here, that they are given in loving memory of Jewel Lewis by her sister Sarah Buchanan. And this would be Jewel's 95th birthday. She passed away unexpectedly last spring, and we miss her sorely, but yet we do remember her often, and thank you, Sarah, for providing these and for calling her memory to our minds even more vividly, so thank you. I know today, as Dr. Roxburgh has preached, that you also heard your names called as you remembered your own parents calling your name. I'm sure you remember Timothy instead of Tim uh, that was called, and you probably do as well, and God does call us to be those agents, those followers of his, his disciples, to go out and to perform those acts of mercy and kindness and goodness, to be the presence of Christ wherever we're called to go. And we do that by listening and by following. May it be so this week as we go. Receive the blessing of God in benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and evermore.